Hey there, fabulous teacher. Have you been wondering how to make writing time in your classroom more effective for your students? Do you want your students to love writing time? If so, I think it's time for you and I to start transforming your writing instruction. I'm Melissa Morrison, and I have a passion for helping teachers to feel confident in teaching writing and help them grow successful writers. I've worked with numerous teachers to guide them through this transformation, and in this podcast, I bring you the practical strategies you need to make writing the best time of your day. Let's get going. Hey there, amazing teacher. How are you? I'm so glad you're here and with me today. Um, I know that a lot of times I talk about uh, big ideas, and so today I wanted to talk about a few specifics that have come up along the way uh, many times, um, things that teachers wonder about and things that I see and want to say something about. So that's what we're going to talk about today, just a few of those specific things, little questions um, that are you know, important to teachers and something that they want to know or something that I just really want to share. So I will say this episode is more for the lower grades, probably up to third grade, um, just because they are little things that, I, that I've that i noticed there a lot and they're not things that necessarily come up with the upper grades um, for a few different reasons. So one of them, um, the first one is underwriting. So underwriting is when a teacher will write under the student's work to write the words correctly. Okay, so I'm gonna try to be really just, you know, calm about this because it's one of my biggest issues. Okay, so I'm just going to start by saying, why do you feel, so it, it just in case you're one of the teachers that's out there that might be doing this, okay? First of all, people do it. I know. It's been around. It's been done, okay? I get it. So I want you to think about why it's done. Why do teachers do it? Now, I think partly it's because that's just what they've seen done and they know that the student's writing is not readable or they don't have writing on the page and so they write it down. Okay. I've also heard teachers say that they want to know what they said or want the student to remember what they wrote or that parents want to know what it says. Okay, so let's think about both of those. The first, well, let's go backwards so that the parents know what it says. Well, okay, what's more important? Things that have to do with the writer or things that have to do with the parent, okay? So I'm gonna just say that first because I'm, I'm gonna go over what's important about the writer in a minute. Um, and then the same thing with us. Like, why do we need to remember what it said? Why do we need that? I don't know. Now, yes, it's true. Sometimes these writers who are emergent writers who don't have the words on the page, and sometimes even when they are trying to put words on the page, they don't remember what they wrote because they're – they just – they can't read it. And then their pictures are just not enough to – jog their memory about what it was. Um, but that's okay. Because 
we're going to go back to teaching the writer. That's where they are in their stage of writing. That's just where they are. And we don't need to push them past that. And we don't need them to remember what it said yet. We don't remember that. Okay. That's okay. That's okay. Um, and so the parents, I understand they want to know, but they, they just, they might not. And that's okay. Now, what could be a better fix, however, and I'll tell you why in a minute, would be to like write a little synopsis and put it on the back or a post-it that has a little synopsis, but not – the only time I would want you to write what the children is, the child is saying is if you're using this for an assessment and you want to know what they thought they were – you know, well, not what they thought, but what was in their head and they were trying to put on the paper so you know what it was. Um, but I still would not write it on the front of the paper. And before I talk about why, I'm going to go back to um, the first one that we don't know what it said, right? We don't remember what it was. I think I actually just covered that. So we're good. Okay. So remember that we want writers to feel confident and we want them to be okay with wherever they are in their writing journey. And so what do you think it might do, even though unintentional and, you know, almost um, subliminally, I guess we could say, what do you think it does to that student's confidence or feeling of um, being proud or, or, you know, being okay with what's on their paper when the teacher writes what they were supposed to say or supposed to write on their paper in the real words? I think it doesn't honor where they are. It's like not it's like not accepting where they are. And I know what you're thinking. Well, I'm just trying to write it down so we remember what it was or so that, you know, they can explain it or what. I get that. I understand that. But we can write it somewhere else so that we're not telling the student, okay, that was pretty good, but it's not really writing. So let me just put the real writing on here. And that especially, I think, comes out when they have written something and they have invented spelling and it's just not clear enough for us to know what it says. And so we write the word so we know what it says. Well, that's telling them it's not quite there yet or that's not okay. That's this the message I feel like we're sending. Now we can say to them, yes, you. I know, you know, because they know it's not all the sounds. They know that. That's okay for them to know that. Or it's not the correct spelling, but that's how, that's what they hear for now. So that's what we want them to put down. And I just think that writing it on top or, you know, writing it, um, is kind of sending a message is, is like, yeah, you're not quite there yet, instead of really honoring where they are. Um, also, you know, just in case you're thinking this, it, it's also not helping them learn how to spell um, or to write. It, there, it's just not, it, that's not doing that. So just in case that's what you were thinking. All right. So now we're on to the next one, which is graphic organizers. Okay. Let me first begin by saying I am not against graphic organizers in order to be used as needed. What I am against is pre-made, same for everyone, graphic organizers. There are many reasons. Um, but what I would say is, th is um, that first I want you to think about why they're there because oftentimes I think teachers use them because they're more focused on the product and because they don't know the writers or because they're not letting their writers show them what they can do. 
<clears throat> then I would say, think about what's going to have to happen with the graphic organizer you are using. Once they use it, then what? I have seen where teachers have made um, one that's just blocks and they might have a student draw in it if they would like to, to put their story in order, let's say. And it may or may work for the, for the student, that's besides the point, but then they just look at it in order to do their writing. Now, if one is used to write out parts of their story, what has to happen after that? Well, the student's going to have to write that over again in their writing. And then even with the drawing, if they are including drawings or illustrations in their writing, they're going to have to redo their picture as well. So really, when you think about it, it's, it's not quite appropriate for especially lower grades because they don't rewrite well. They don't copy well. That's a whole other thing, copying things that have been written. Um, it's, and it's just extra work. It's just work that they really don't need to do. And therefore, well, not, and they won't want to do it. They're not going to want to rewrite something they already wrote. Well, I just wrote it here. Why do I have to write it again? And then it's going to turn it into a chore instead of enjoyment and, you know, a process that has a reason. So um, what I like to think about with graphic organizers is first, why do I, why do I want it? Why do I want it for this student? And that's why I say I'm not against them because there are students who may need that um, step in their planning or to stay on track. Other students may not. Um, other students may want it and they might not mind repeating or they might be at the stage where they can just kind of write notes. So I think that's another problem or difficulty in the lower grades with them is that they are not able to shorten their idea and write it in a few keywords. They just can't sum it up like that. So then therefore we're back to writing the whole thing and then having to write it again. What I do like, and this could be for any grade level, is when students decide what helps them and what kind of organizer they might need. Now, you know, I was just kind of thinking about this. The term graphic organizer has to be about graphics, right? So it's not even a plan for writing necessarily or, you know, not what everyone would have to use. It's this visual format of making a plan, right, and organizing your writing. Um, and so I, I just think organizing, yes, or having something that's planning, yes, but planning can also be oral rehearsal. That could be enough for students to plan. Um, and so I really just think it's important to know why you need it. And I don't think there is any sort of planner that every single student should use. Now, I understand um, therefore showing different ways to plan or maybe even providing a few options for the organizers, but they should not have to use them. They should not have to complete them. Because here's what happens. Let's say you have a, an organizer that is for your, their opinion writing. Well, obviously everyone is going to, unless you change them up, which, you know, can be done, but typically is not done. Everyone's having an organizer that has the same number of spots, the same amount of space, um, the same way they're organizing things. And obviously, and so 
everybody's doing the same thing. So there are going to be students who may have laid something out in a better way or a different, just a different way. Um, some students who might want to write more than what is allowed um, on the organizer. And then for some students, it's going to be above their skill level and above their level of volume even. Um, so if you're asking like for four um pieces of evidence for your opinion. Does that make sense? I don't know. Um, you know, some of them can't do that. So it's just not always um, the appropriate support for every student, or it's a support that perhaps they don't need or could be limiting them. And then the final topic I thought I'd talk about today is that of um, organization of the writing papers. Um, so again, why this is more about elementary is that in the upper grade levels, typically they have a notebook or they might um, use, they might do a lot of their work on the computer. Um, so you might not have to worry about this. But in lower grades, they do have a lot of papers, especially even within one unit of writing. Um, and some students have a lot more than others, whether it's because they're actually writing on them or because they just hoard them <laughs> um, or because they have like two words on every paper, which is just a whole other thing you have to work with them on. But um, I hear this a lot. There's a lot of different um, ways that people have tried and the organization part can just get annoying. I understand that for sure. I actually just spoke to a friend of mine um, who was on our uh, on the podcast before, Michelle Rui. She said that she used to do this and it was great. Um, so she had a bin. So the students didn't keep all their work at their desk. She had a bin for each. Um, she like split the class in half. I think she did boys, girls. And then she – so she had different color bins um, or she put a piece of like construction paper laminated on top to show, you know, which which bin was – which groups. And then there was a big like manila folder that held everyone's things. Or no, no, I'm sorry. I apologize. They had two. One was for what's being worked on now still being worked on and one is what they're finished with, which is typically what I have teachers do is they have one pocket, one two pocket folder and one side is still working on and the other one is finished for now. Um, because students are going to, throughout the unit, be working on several different pieces and then they're going to say they're done, but then at one point they might go back and revise one that they were done with, even though they have a current one that they were working on. They always have that choice. And so she would have them, though, in two separate folders as to not make them, you know, make it even more messy. So I really like that idea. Um, but also, if you – you're always going to clean them out after every unit and you can send things home. I would typically like to keep the first piece of the year and then potentially the first piece of um, the unit. But if you're doing an on-demand, that's usually something I, I would keep anyway. Um, and then if they had a published piece that you want to keep for a little while because you're using it to share or putting in the classroom library or something – but then eventually it can go home. So it all depends on what your school also wants to keep in their um, in their folder that moves along with them to grades. But throughout the unit, if you have a student who's just like crazy writer, you know, or even or even papers that have two words on them, you might have to clean that out. You might have to say, all right, you know, you don't this writing. I mean, we can say goodbye to this one, right? Like we're not where we can send this home at least, um, and try to clean up a few if you really need to. Um, it is a little bit messy, but just remember that don't worry about the fact that they have all these writings and some of them you haven't seen. That's okay. They need to be learning 
how to organize. And I know for some that's harder than others, but also they need to be able to say, okay, here's my piece, you know, it goes together. This is the one I am going to keep and, and work and, and talk to you about. So you don't have to see all of them anyway. Um, so hopefully that is helpful for organization of papers. Um, okay, so today we talked about underwriting and how we don't need to do it. And if we really wanna write something, we can put it on the back. Um, talked about graphic organizers and making sure that there is a reason, we know why we want them and that there's a specific reason for that student or that we are providing options for students um, in their ways to plan. And then we talked about all the papers. So um, let me know your thoughts about any of these topics and, you know, what concerns you have about them or what you uh, find to work once you get them into, into play in your classroom. All right. Have a great one. again. I am so happy to have had you listen in again today. I would like to ask a little favor. If you're enjoying the podcast, could you take a moment to go wherever it is that you listen and write a review and tell others what you find um, so great about these episodes? I would love to be able to share it with more teachers to help them in their writing instruction, just as hopefully I've been helping you. Thank you so much.